Career Day Live is a Stop Clowning Around production. You can learn how Stop Clowning Around helps people succeed in life and career by mastering the art of connection and relationships by visiting stopclowningaround.com or facebook.com forward slash stopclowningaround. We all know how to eat, but often we don't know what to eat, and that is where clinical dietitians step in. Our bodies operate most efficiently when fueled by the proper foods. Brooke Leip is able to impact the overall wellness of her patients with her skills and reveals how others can make a difference as well by helping us with our food choices. Brooke, I want to thank you for joining us, sharing a bit of your passion and what you do. Hi, Scott. Thanks for um, asking me to be on your podcast today. I'm excited to get more people introduced to the role of um, a dietitian. I am a clinical dietitian. Um, I have been in this role for about 14 years now. Um, it it did veer off in different directions um, throughout um those 14 years, but basically I've come back to the clinical role. I work in a hospital, a community small hospital, um, where I see a lot of variety of patients. So what got you interested in being a dietitian? That honestly is nothing I really thought about in my younger years of life. So how were you introduced to mm-hmm. it? Sure. Well, you know, in high school, I just, I became very interested in nutrition. Um, and basically, how most dietitians come to it is that um, I was interested in the weight loss aspect of it. How how can I lose weight? How can you what what foods do we can we eat to make us healthy and lose weight at the same time? And um, being on dance team and into dance, I think that's something that a lot of people that become dietitians um, start out with is that is that mindset. I also really liked science um, and math too. So I was out looking for something to merge those two together. Um, And I was lucky enough in my town, we had a small hospital and I was able to shadow a dietitian um, in our community hospital there and really enjoyed listening to her and watching her talk to patients. Um, and basically that's how it, that's how it all started. So my, I guess my love for food. Hey, we all have a love for food at some level. So (laughs) that's perfect. Yes. And I I guess what, uh, what you do, and I'm trying to simplify it for those like me Mm -hmm. who, who maybe don't understand your role fully yet. You help us maintain a healthy love for food, but understand what food is useful for us and what food uh, is not as useful? Yeah, basically. I mean, in the, in the hospital world, we're looking at different disease states also. Um, I talk and educate a lot of diabetic patients, um, cardiac patients, um, patients that have cancer, um, GI issues. So I see a really wide range of patients, which 
for me, I really enjoy and like the variety in that. And so that I'm not centered just on weight loss or just in one area, but I get to see a variety of people and help them along the way to um, basically have a better way of life and um, just to help to control those disease states in general. So I think you kind of already started down this path, but I, I always like to ask what the day-to-day or the week-to-week looks like with your job and, and mm-hmm. what you're doing. It And it sounds like working at a community hospital, you're there to help those in that time of distress or, as you said, a disease state to not only get better at that moment, I'm assuming create a program that helps them maintain their health once they leave? Mm-hmm. Yes. So we do have an outpatient. I see patients um, once they've left the hospital, they have the opportunity to come back and see me um, once they're out and living life and the normal, we're not feeding them. So, um, so in that I do see, um, you know, in a, in a week basis, I see um, mainly inpatients. Um, so I'm seeing those patients that um, are diabetic. Typically, the nurses will stop me. I'm always in contact with the nursing staff, the physicians, things like that, so that I can get in and talk with the new diabetics or patients that are having trouble controlling their blood sugars and ensure of what they're supposed to be doing. Um, and so that we can help to control that before it gets out of hand. I guess I'm still just trying to wrap my head around the the maybe the day to day. So are you just bouncing room to room to room with the patients? Are you at this point kind of leading a team of people who are bouncing room to room? What's your interaction with patients versus what's your interaction sure. with uh you mentioned some teaching and education? Um yeah, I I guess that's what I'd still be interested in is day to day interaction. Mm-hmm. So basically I see you know, I look at I have a list of patients and so that I can see um who's at risk. And you really, my main goal is to target those patients who are most at risk for, um, and who I can help out the most. So it could be um, that there, I have a a patient with chronic high blood sugars. So that would go to the top of my list, or it could even span to, um, I need to go and talk with the patient that um, isn't eating anything right now or and hasn't been eating and has a, a huge weight loss going on because of something else that might be there. So it's my job to work with the team of healthcare professionals, the doctor, the speech therapist, the nurse. Um, we all collaborate together, whether it be through an email or seeing them on the hallway or even at team meetings where we can get the best plan for the patient to help them out um, in the long term. Got it. So this definitely is, again, high level. You are you're making such a difference in the lives of those who are in a level of need. And, and what I love about what I'm hearing, it's not just at the moment, but I can see how this moves on past that moment. Tell me about what drives you, uh, because as I listen to you, knowing my personality, it's just the fact of being able to help all these people. And I'm sure that's a level of it, but what else? What what keeps you going day to day and doing this? Because you, I can hear the level of passion in your voice. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's the constant learning because, you know, nutrition is a science. It's also nutrition also gets tricky because everybody eats. So in that aspect, you're you really have to balance the science to what everybody thinks they know about nutrition and that they um, 
So it's, it's teaching them that too. And I think it's exciting because it's ever going, it's ever changing. So it's, you're always learning something new, which I think is really, really an interesting thing to have in a career because it doesn't stay stale. It, it's, you're, you don't get stale in it. You know, it's something that it's always, you're always challenged with. Um, and I think that's something too, that it's always exciting to sit down with a patient and, you know, listen to what they're doing at home and finding that one thing that you can connect with them on that can make a change that they can make a change on. And they feel like they're empowered to, and that they're able to, once they go home and that might have, a. I think the most exciting part about that is it doesn't necessarily happen just with that patient, but it has a ripple effect on their entire family and their lifestyle. So then to see them sometimes in the community or coming in as an outpatient, um, whether it be through any kind of discipline that we might have here, like physical therapy, they might be just walking the halls, coming back in for that or um, another rehab. Um, It's just interesting to hear their stories and to see how it's changed them. And I think that's what drives me. And the fact that, you know, I'm learning things that I can bring home to my family too. So I think that, my profession a lot encompasses um, doing things that I do on an everyday basis. I mean, you got to eat. So it's always fun to learn those new recipes and find out and kind of experiment with my family on what I can do at my house and myself, too, and to see what I can bring to them. Brooke, that brings up a really good topic here that I really mm-hmm. want to explore. You said you've been doing this 14 years. Now, I have a mm-hmm. little, uh, I'll call it a secret passion, not so much of a secret anymore, but I love books. That's probably not the secret. Mm-hmm. What might be the secret is I tend to buy 98% of my books from thrift stores. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I love how I can find great books there at a great deal. The interesting <laughs> thing about that is you will find books of all ages. And if I went back from the published date 14 years, I'm not so sure that I wouldn't find three or four, I'm going to call it diet fads, but fads that someone mm-hmm. came out with in a book that everybody followed, this is now the new way that we should eat and be healthy and the way we uh, count our, our nutrition. And so I would think that's actually, you said it's exciting, but a bit of a challenge because your education 14 years ago has had to change a little bit with the fads in the time, correct? Oh, of course, of course. I mean, you know, whenever I first started, we were extremely counting calories. And, you know, the big thing was, low fats and, and all of that. And it has made a complete turnaround and switch in that, um, you know, we're not as focused anymore on the things that we were like, for instance, um, you know, weight loss, weight loss, you know, we heard that all the time and, you know, you had to eat this way to lose weight. And it was always, you know, low fat calories in equals calories out, that sort of thing. And, and just that mindset. And now, you know, we're looking at um, the movement of a health at every size. And, you know, the main thing is is eating for your health and not necessarily your size. So, you know, the, the focus has definitely changed and the low fat craze has definitely went away. But along those lines, too, we're finding, they, you know, all these different fad diets come up, like you said, um, where we're counting carbs and different different things like that. When now we're back to the main thing of just, eating to eat into, you know, and not necessarily counting all of those that we once did. I would think based on what you said then that there's no one diet or one plan that works for every individual. 
that no. is a bit of the customization that you must do in your job, right? That's why they need you is to help yes. kind of understand what yes. would be best for this individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, that part comes in. My favorite thing to tell people is everybody knows how to eat, right? I mean, that's simple, Mm -hmm. but you know, the hard part is doing and going out into the world and doing it. So what I like to do is when my, when I'm talking to patients or any, for, for any sort of diet is, you know, it's that you really dive into the patient and find out what their, what their life is like at home, what they normally do and what we can do to help to tweak those normal things that they do to make changes. Because the ultimate goal is to make lifestyle changes. So, you know, it's really, really dietitians have taken more of a counseling role than anything than once upon a time when we were just looking at um, calories and, you know, um, carbohydrates and fats and, and all those have their places in different disease states in themselves, but in a general day-to-day fad diet type of thing, um, it gets a little more complicated in that everybody is different and everybody will um, react different to different ways of eating. I love that you said that about being a counselor or maybe even taking it to a level mm-hmm. of coach. And they're, they're similar mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. different in, in definition. But that was actually the second question I was going to get to. It seems like every person I've met that truly had a life change uh, in a physical manner when you ask mm-hmm. them what the difference was, it wasn't necessarily the diet that they chose as much as the mindset of moving away from food being a love and a passion or even an addiction mm-hmm. to understanding mm-hmm. that it was energy. And when they realized I eat for energy and took away the love and passion, that's when they had success. Is that what you see most often is just helping under pe- helping people understand mm-hmm the healthy relationship to food? Yes, yes, yes. That's a that's a huge part of it is just to associate it more with eating for nutrition and even just getting away from the mindset of I've got to lose 10 pounds in a month or I've got to lose 10 pounds in two weeks or something like that. But it's getting to the mindset of the, the why you're doing it. Well, this is pretty cool and more interesting than I could have even imagined. And I mean that in the best of ways. I, I just didn't know what mm-hmm. to imagine. And I'm very interested in sure. in what you do. Um, every job has some things we dread, though. Are, wh- mm-hmm. What is it that, that you run into in the day-to-day, week-to-week, though, that maybe you want at least people to be aware of? Because we hope that this podcast, some individuals are making decisions on their life and career and maybe choosing to go down this path as a a path of career passion. But I I like Mm -hmm. them to see everything. Is there anything about your day-to-day that's just not all roses? You know, I think sometimes with the the hardest part inpatient in the hospital is that I'm seeing, I'm seeing people because they're here and that makes it hard because some people are not ready for that change. And it does, you have to be in the right mindset to make that change. And we, you know, we'd like to think in the perfect world that when you're faced in the hospital with all these things going on, that you would be thinking, oh, well, of course I want to change. But, you know, it sometimes it takes that huge coaching, like you mentioned earlier, or that I have to go in there being a huge motivator. And sometimes not even that will, will sway them to change. 
So you have to, you have to really be ready for that sort of thing also to know that, yes, you're in this profession to make a difference, but not all the time does it actually work right away and that you can't control what other people are doing. And you have to kind of know that too. The other side to that in the outpatient world is that, or just in general, I know sometimes, you know, I tend to stay away from telling people what I do just from the simple fact that everybody wants to tell me then what they're eating or what kind of diet they've heard about recently (laughs) and, and things like that, because everybody has to eat to survive and everybody is an expert on this, on food and diet and that sort of thing. So in, in the back of my head, I have to think, okay, they're doing it to be, you know, they think they're doing the best for themselves, but, but it's hard knowing the facts and just kind of listening to what people think they know. If that, if that makes sense. And that's, it sounds like you, I think want... that's one of the biggest. <laughs> <laughs> no, it sounds like uh, it, it's probably hard when you want to fix people, but they're not ready to be fixed. Yes, 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 yes. That is huge. Uh, I get it. You know, Brooke, one of the things I'm interested in knowing, you've talked about your role specifically within a hospital setting, but I would think that there are a mm-hmm. lot of different opportunities for a dietitian in the, the big world around us. Can you briefly just mm-hmm. go into maybe some other opportunities, uh, things that one could do, or if you ever wanted to make a change, uh, where mm-hmm. where are dietitians needed? So dietitians, um, it's crazy the span that we have because we're also in the management world. So um, dietitians will manage um, food service departments in hospitals. Um, they actually, that's one of the requirements typically of food service directors is that there are dietitians. Um, they manage um, the patient services. And so the patients that are eating, um, they manage the, the kitchen where the food goes out there. Um, typically in bigger hospitals, that's found. Um, there are, you can do community. So you work strict, there are dietitians who work strictly um, in the community setting where it would be like at food pantries or um at um, the WIC offices so that you're working with women, infant, and children um, departments there. Oh, goodness, there's so many. Um, advertising, you know, there's um, there's a lot of, um, like Nestle has their own dietitians. Um, there's, um, you can go a lot of different directions, even um, pharmaceutical sales reps. Um, there are nutrition lines um, with nutrition supplements that will hire dietitians um, to work with them to help promote their, their, um, their products. Um, and the, the science background is huge for that market. Um, and they do require dietitians to be the ones to, to relay that nutrition information. Um, there's home health dietitians um, where you actually go into the homes and help patients that are homebound. Um, and typically with those, you're working with diabetics, um, and patients that aren't able to eat by mouth, but have to rely on supplemental feedings through, um, other alternatives. Um, gosh, I could go on and on and on. There's sports dietitians there's, which is always an interesting field. And I think the newest and up and coming, um, that I'm seeing a lot of now are, um, just, um, uh, virtual, like you're, People are seeing patients um, on their own through counseling, through um, through uh, sorry, 
Skyping with them, um, things like that. So you don't even have to leave your home. There's insurance companies where you're working with um, companies and, and their wellness programs. So there's a lot of different avenues to go and diet, being a dietitian. If you like the science and math end, um, you can look at medical nutrition therapy and working with patients that are strictly in ICU settings. Um, there's just Boy, it could the possibilities go on are on. just endless. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one one thing as you were talking, I, I started thinking about how uh, one could probably either a uh, package it together as being their own personal trainer or working just yes. with other personal trainers to help them offer mm-hmm. more to their customers and just being able to partner up and, and make some side income if that's the case because you bring such a wealth of yes. knowledge to those who are trying to perform better, whether that be athletically or even in the business world. Mm-hmm. I think many have come to realize our minds operate most efficiently when we're healthy as well. And uh, I could see mm-hmm. that coaching mm-hmm. component being a, if not already a solid part of the field, a growing part of the field. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, they are um, a lot of health um health club, or I guess it's not health clubs, but gyms and things like that. Um, a lot of those are now um, hiring and dietitians. I know the YMCA's, a lot of those have dietitians on staff to do programs and different things like that for the community. And then also to help with people that are coming into the gym so that they get the right nutrition information that's right for them. So it's that individual working um, one-on-one with the client to get those what they need done. Exciting. It really is. Well, Brooke, I always have to ask this question. This is why we listen. Everybody who listens to these episodes, they like what they hear. At some point, they have to ask, what kind of income does someone like this make? And I know it's always a range, and Mm -hmm. that's what I'm asking for. But can you give us an idea of if I went down this path, what could I reasonably expect to make? Sure, sure. So, it, I mean, honestly, it depends on what field you're going into. Of course, the more responsibility you have, the more money you make. Um, so in the, the different, you know, the smaller the hospitals and, and different things like that. Um, but typically, a clinical dietitian, will, the starting salary is around 40000 a year. And then it can range between that and about sixty-four, sixty-five. So reasonably, someone out of college um, making this transition could find themselves a position, uh, you know, give or take mm-hmm. in within that range. And it sounds like if someone has the right drive, the right leadership uh, component, the right ability to to lead and manage at a much higher level, those wages, of course, would jump and increase exponentially. But none of that matters at this point. I I really like the range of what is reasonable, and I appreciate you offering that. So if if, um, there's someone listening, one of the listeners says, you know, this sounds great. This sounds interesting. I would assume based Mm -hmm. on this being a science type degree and uh, the math component, this probably does require a college degree. But can you walk us through what would be required to ultimately even be a candidate? Sure, sure. So definitely um, having a love for science. And in science, that means um, 
chemistry, heavy on the chemistry. Um, and um, you do have to know, obviously, some uh, biology. Um, and also, um, you know, that that is the basic good understanding. What people, I think, are surprised at when they get into the degree itself is that we also do a lot of not only that, but we have a lot of economics classes and um, exercise physiology and management classes. But I think the struggle and the, 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 that makes people, the one thing that makes people turn away the quickest from our profession is the abundance of chemistry that you have to have. But I will say that as scary as it is, we all get through it. And it's a good, typically any college that you attend when you're in this department, it's a very close knit department and you get through it together. So that you do have to have some of that love for science to get through it. And is the degree program just a, a dietitian or, or what degree is someone usually getting mm-hmm. in order to uh, be in this sure. type of role? So what I, what typically it is, is a bachelor of science in nutrition. And that's typically it's a four, four year program. Once you get, once you get that tip, usually about your, about the fourth year that you're in, you do apply to internships. And right now it's on a lottery basis or not a lottery basis, but it's like a matching type basis on how you get into your programs. There are a lot of different programs out there, but it is, it's definitely something you want to know up front that you will have to complete that internship program. Um, And that is a, typically it's about a nine month program, which then would qualify you to sit for the RD exam, the registered dietitian exam. Um, However, now they um, are, you are required to get your master's degree. So that's something new within the last two to three years that they've started. Just to be a registered dietitian? Right. Yes. And a lot of times you can get your master's while doing your internship. And I like the internship point. mm -hmm. I personally think that regardless of your degree or field that you want to go into, before you've Mm -hmm. completed your degree, you should be trying to get internships because that only builds the network of people you can call on when you're actually trying to get a job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the interesting thing with that is that that actually did happen to me because the internship that I did choose um, and was accepted into um, was, um, it was in Georgia and I'm from this area, the St. Louis area. However, when I mentioned that I was going back to the St. Louis area, they gave me names of people that I would want to contact in the St. Louis area to get a job. And it worked. So that was, you know, that is very helpful. The internships are, they're programs that are already developed that you get into. And typically you have, it's just like your dietetics courses or your, um, your program when you're in your undergrad, getting your undergrad degree. Um, you have people that you're with and you're with them all the time. You're going through the same thing. I think there were 15 of us that were going through the program at the time. So, so there is that support in an internship. So you're not all out there by yourself. I usually ask, how do you get your foot in the door? And I think you've already answered Mm -hmm. that. It always comes down to networks, quite frankly. What I like about the program is that 
in essence, you're almost forced to network. You're forced to get yourself mm-hmm. out there. Are there any other tricks to the trade that you would uh, maybe give as far as helping someone find the right opportunity, or is the program pretty dedicated to make that happen? I mean, they pretty much, you pretty much have to, you are forced to kind of get out of your box and go to meetings and things like that. So you do learn and you do interact with other professionals in your field. So that is very, very helpful. And I just recommend just to continue that whenever you do um, graduate from your program, um, just get out, meet other dietitians, find out what other people are doing network as much as you can going to meetings and different things that are available in your area. And I want to just add so many individuals get nervous when they hear the word network or interaction with or Mm -hmm. interacting with people, especially strangers. And it comes down to the fact that maybe they consider themselves an introvert. uh, Reality is a lot of people Mm -hmm. I know who love science and math do consider themselves more of an introvert than an extrovert. And we tend to think, well, that's just not natural to me, and and I don't know if I can do that. And I just want to add from my own experience that Mm -hmm. I don't really believe that networking, connecting with others, and building relationships is natural for anyone. A lot of it just has to do with your exposure growing up. So it is a Mm -hmm. learned science, just like any other science that we've talked about. The, the the science of human behavior is real. It can be learned. And so I just encourage everyone to stretch themselves and make the best of these opportunities at these meetings. And if, if you know, yeah. there's all kinds of resources out there to learn. So take it up on mm-hmm. yourself, learn how to connect, learn how to build relationships. And I would think that you're probably going to have a much higher pick of opportunities than someone who remains in their little shell. Well, you know, too, I think that when you're at places like this, these are people that have similar interests as you do. So in some ways, that can kind of help, too, to to keep that in mind, that, that these are people who, on a day-to-day basis, they probably think like you a little bit, too, because you, you've chosen the same profession. And it's just, you know, when you get out of the box, too, and you start talking to these people, all the opportunities that can become available, not just in a professional way, but just, you know, just helping you expand your knowledge, too, and what you can learn from others from just talking and, and you know, hearing their background story and hearing what they do. Brooke, I have really one final question. And sure. it really comes down to the outlook of the role of dietitian. If mm-hmm. you were to look out into the future, is this a growing role? Is this kind of neutral? It's always going to be there, not much growth, not much loss, or even do you see negative growth over time? Oh, no, I see a huge growth, you know, um, just with the different avenues that that are out there now for us. Um, and the the way that people keep wanting to to better themselves, people are always going to want to better themselves. And I think that is a huge benefit for us. Um, and just the role of science keeps ever expanding. So, I mean, even in the 15 years that I've been a dietitian, I've seen it just so many different avenues come up with the the way that people are are seeking out help now. So, I think I think it'll just keep growing, and I'm excited to see what else is out there. Well, I am excited to see 
how life continues to churn for you and where you end up in your line of work over time. Thank you. And, uh, enjoy the connection. And I very much appreciate you taking the time to spend with us and share about your role and the passions about it and, and even the honest points. And, and you have helped me, and I'm sure you've helped many others understand more about this and hopefully set many on the course of a new career passion. Thank you for having me, Scott. This program is only possible with the support of guests that care about helping others find their calling. If you or someone you know would be interested in sharing, please email us at cdl at stopclowningaround.com.